0: I have been away on vacation, and I just got back, and it was fun, and it was nice, and it was restful. But how many of you ever use a GPS when you travel? Yeah, my wife and I were blessed. Uh, A friend of ours gave us a GPS and said, here, you know, I just have a feeling you guys are going to need this someday, and they gave us a GPS, and it's been a wonderful and fantastic gift that we've always used. But do you notice that GPSs never give you the full guarantee that you're never going to have trouble in your travels? That's not one of the options that you can push on your GPS. We uh, got started out. We were making great time to our destination to get to where we wanted to go. And we get outside of Buffalo, and we're hauling right along, and all of a sudden, the traffic just starts coming to a dead stop. Two hours later, we finally started to move our wheels and actually head to the destination we wanted to go to. We're going to start this new series Called Life Maps. And we're going to talk about how we can navigate through life, even in the midst of our issues and our circumstances and our problems that arise as we move through life. It's kind of like we're going to look into the Psalms, where we find great psalmists pour out their hearts about how they encountered God in the midst of their trials, their tribulations, and their circumstances, where they came with questions, they left with answers, and they made it to where they were going at the same time. So we're going to encourage you guys to join with us each week right here as we journey through this series together called Life Maps. Well, the one thing about it with Life Maps is we all want it. We all desire it. We all desire to have it. In fact, we work hard to gain it. It determines our goals. It gives us determination. In fact, it's what motivates us many times to do what we do. And the reality is, whether we want to admit it or not, we all have an inward desire to pursue success. Ever since God created us inside of our inner beings, there is this seed that God planted within us that we yearn to grow and bloom to become success. Whether we're a follower of Christ or we're not a follower of Christ, there is something within us that drives us to be successful. When we wake up in the morning, I guarantee you that most of us do not wake up saying, I am so excited to be a failure today. I can't wait to mess up. We don't do that. We wake up with a determination and we go to bed and lay our heads down, hopefully with an ease in our minds and our hearts that that day, We were successful in some form or some way. And that's what we're going to talk about today is our preparation for success. The question is, what is your definition of success? And where does your definition stem from? Because the world has many definitions of success. If we were to take a poll, the world would tell us that wealth is success. Health is success. Position is success. Titles is success. Because their source of their definition comes from a different place. But for Christ followers, our definition of success comes from a source that is everlasting. A source that provides us a true definition of what success means. Now, according to Webster's Dictionary, success means to have an achievement for something. Desired or gaining the fame or gaining fame of and prosperity. See, success is part of our life map. No matter where we navigate, no matter where we go, we will always encounter a desire to be successful as people, because God put it within us. But the beauty is is that we are successful in God's eyes. How many of you can say, "I am loved by God? Okay, majority of us here. When you understand that you're loved by God, you're already successful. You're already successful. The fact that the creator of the universe loves us is success. (laughs) Moments ago, Pastor Jack talked about how we're not worthy of God's love. We're not worthy of his grace. We're not worthy of his mercy. But yet he loves us, and that is successful. In the Psalms, the psalmist David tells us that followers of Jesus, that their confidence in God prepares us for success. Our confidence in God prepares us for his success. See, there's a difference there. The word his, God prepares us for his success, not our success or our definition. For some of us, we've been trying to be successful forever, it seems. We've never gotten to where we want to go. Maybe it's because we're looking in the wrong place. We're looking for the wrong type of success instead of looking for his success. Our confession of confidence as followers of Christ creates a deep trust in him for both life and death. See, that's the whole beauty of our confidence in Christ and trusting in him, is that we have this confidence, we have this successful life ahead of us, that we not only have life now and we can be successful now with what God has given us, but we can be successful for eternity because of our salvation. The greatest story of success that's recorded in the scriptures that we find is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ crucified. Jesus Christ's death. Jesus Christ's burial, then his resurrection, and then his ascension. Greatest story of success that we can find within the body of Christ. And that same story is ours. Therefore, we're already successful. But I want to talk to us this morning about how we can prepare better for success. And if we're going to do that, we need to redefine what success is. The focus of David's heart in the Psalms was on the Lord and all of his benefits. Yeah, there was tough times that David went through. And he went through a lot of stuff. But he was focused on the benefits of God and the promises of God. That prepared him to be successful. What we need to understand is preparation for success Begins with trust. Yeah, I said the T word. I know. The thing is, is reality tells us that we really hate the T word. (laughs) I mean, let's be honest with each other. We don't like the word trust. In fact, we don't like the word trust so much that we make excuses not to use the word trust. You ever encounter somebody and you're talking to them and they say, well, I, I just can't trust them. Well, given what they've done in the past... I just, I can't bring myself to trust them. I would really like to trust them, but I just can't right now. What I've discovered is this trust is a choice. It's a choice. We have the ability to trust. We have the ability to take somebody at their word and what they have said to us and believe them, believe in them and follow through with it. That we have this confidence. The same thing with Jesus is that we have this ability to trust him. It's a choice. We can choose to trust that what Jesus said is true, or we can choose not to trust him at his word. But regardless of what we think, it's a choice. And here's what David has to say about trust. Look with me in verse 4 in the Psalms here. He says, Keep me safe, O God, for in you I take refuge. I said to the Lord, you are my Lord, apart from you, I have no good thing. As for the saints who are in the land, they are the glorious ones in whom is all my delight. The sorrows of those will increase who run after other gods. I will not pour out their libations of blood or take up their names on my lips. David starts this psalm off with words of trust. He says, God, who else can I trust? Who else is going to keep me safe? You're going to be my refuge. When was the last time that you remember going before God with those words of trust and saying, God, I got no other choice but to trust you. I got no other choice but to believe that you are going to keep me safe. I got no other choice but to believe that you're going to be my provision. That's trust. Trust. The expectation of God's protection is solidified through trust, which comes from his previous promises. See, we base our trust on the promises that have been filled before us. And God is the master of fulfilling promises. If we want to be people of kingdom success, then we have to trust in every one of God's decisions. That means we have to take him at face value. And even though we can't see what the end result is, we have to trust that what he is telling us is going to happen. That we have to trust what he says in his word is going to come to pass. Trusting in God is declaring that we're choosing to believe God at his every word with total and unreserved confidence. What we got to understand is trust isn't about looking at the situation. It's about looking at the one's heart, looking at the one's heart who made the promise. That's why we can trust God. See, if we want to be successful, we have to start trusting. We have to trust one another and we have to trust God. When we're in the midst of our situation In the pursuit of where we are headed, we have to understand that in the midst of those difficulties, we can't get wrapped up in the situation itself and look at that and concentrate on it. We have to look at God. We have to look at his heart and his character and his nature and his provenness about how he has proven over and over and over again to us. And we have to look at that and begin to trust him. God is a God of integrity and character. Everything else may fail around us, but there is one person that will never fail us, that will never go back on his promise, that will never break his trust with us. That's Jesus Christ. Once trust has been established with God, our next step is to establish our plumb lines. How many of you know what a plumb line is? How many of you are construction workers? Do you still use a plumb line? You're like, no, I just wing it. (laughs) do not build for me (laughs) a plumb line is simply a string with a metal piece attached to the bottom it's a metal weight that's attached to the bottom of it and what it is it's a little device that's used to establish a vertical line so a wall can be built straight that's what a plumb line is if we want to prepare for kingdom success we have to set plumb lines in place some of us call them boundaries boundaries But we have to prepare ourselves and put those plumb lines in place in our lives. Because when situations go awry and we have no idea where we're going next or what's going on with God, those plumb lines are what keep us aligned with God. I spent a few, probably a few months ago, almost last year, I spent some time with a friend of mine down in North Carolina. And his name is Lee, and we we're talking, and one thing is we are sitting there on the couch, and he said to me, Jason, he said, I'm just so tired of living as a plain old Christian, and I have determined to set boundaries in my life from this point on that I will not live that way anymore. And what he said in me really began to turn in my gut. And I realized that I didn't have plumb lines in specific areas of my life. There were specific areas of my life that was not aligned with God that needed to be aligned with God. That if he wants me to be successful, I needed to be in alignment. I need to be straight. And so as I began to sit before God and ask him and say, Lord, where am I out of whack? Where is my wall beginning to collapse and crumble? Where is it shifting off of alignment? Because see, we have to have the proper foundation in order to be successful in God. If our foundation is slightly off kilter, then when the weight of God's glory and the weight of his love and the weight of his anointing, this divine ability and resource and empowerment to do what he calls us to do, lands on top of that foundation, and it's just slightly off, we will be crushed. We will fall. And so I spent time before the Lord, and I began to ask him, God, what are the plumb lines that you want set in place? And he said, return to the fear of the Lord. It's pretty intense. Return to the fear of the Lord live holy, make disciples, serve others with no agenda. And so I began to set the plumb lines in my life where I was not fearing God, where I was not living holy, where I was not serving others without an agenda, where I was not making disciples. I began to align myself with the purposes of God, so that I could fulfill the succession that he has before me. This is what David understood about the plumb lines of God. Look at verses 5 through 8 with me. He said, "'Lord, you have assigned me my portion and my cup. "'You have made my lot secure. "'The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. "'Surely I have a delightful inheritance.'" I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. So Psalmist starts out recounting the goodness of God and God's loyalty to him. When was the last time that as a follower of Jesus, you just sat down in your time where you give over to God to pray with him and read your word? When was the last time you just sat down and just began to focus on the loyalty of God? When was the last time you tested the loyalty of God? And what I mean by that is, is when was the last time that you sat down and you recalled when God wasn't loyal to you? Because I guarantee you, you're never going to come up with an example. Because he's perfect in his loyalty. So the psalmist David responds and he says, God, you have been so loyal to me. You have been so faithful to me. So therefore, I'm going to set the plumb lines that you have before me so that I can align myself with your will and be the man of success that you want me to be so I don't have to go back to where I was before. See, it's important that we have plumb lines put in place. Because even as followers of Jesus, we can step over the line. We can cross those boundaries that God gives us, all because we're following this thing inside of us called our heart. It's okay to listen to your heart, but sometimes if we're not aligned properly, things can go bad. Checkmate. What? Checkmate. It's when I win and you lose. I know what checkmate is, but, but you can't move your pawn all the way across the board and knock my queen down and say checkmate. It's an illegal move. <laughs> well, That's not what my heart says. What? My heart. It's the way I'm living my life from now on. Follow in my heart, man. And my heart says that there's no reason that that there pawn needs to be constrained to moving one space at a time. Now, yeah, I freed him. But that's against the rules. Well, there's a little verse in the Bible that says it's okay to break the rules as long as it's with your heart. <laughs> that's not in the Bible. Well, my heart says it is. Okay, my heart says I can block your checkmate, throw your pawn at you, and knock all your pieces down. Well, your heart didn't tell you to do that. How, how do you know? Because my heart's telling me that your heart is a liar. Do you think that civilized people can live like this in an organized society? I mean, I mean, think about what it would look like if everyone just did what they felt like. My heart's ignoring you. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's also telling me that it wants to go driving on the left-hand side of the road just to see what it would be like. Bye-bye. Did your heart tell you to wear those pants, too? No. That was my funny bone. what's your heart telling you? Hopefully nothing like that. But you see, that's the importance of why we need plumb lines in our lives. That if we want to be successful in the eyes of God, we have to set in the plumb lines of the Word of God. And then we have to mix it in with the direction of the Holy Spirit. And then we have to add in the counsel of the community around us, the body of Christ. And then we have to mix that in with a little bit of prayer so that when we get to that decision that needs to be made that causes us to be successful for Christ, we have the right answer and we move in the right direction. But if we don't have those plumb lines, we start making decisions and choices such as that. But it starts to hurt people. It starts to destroy others. The nature of God's benefits for us is described here as pleasant, and delightful. It says that he has an inheritance for us. And we have to understand that we can cry out all we want and say, God, give me your inheritance. Give me the good things. Give me your pleasure. Give me your delight. But if we are not aligned with God for success, if we are not aligned with trust and the plumb lines of obedience, we will not reap the good things that are delightful, the pleasures and the inheritance that God has for us. We can't understand or know obedience without meditating on the words of our creator. Someone this week, I talked with them and they said, you know, pastor, the last time you preached, you convicted me. I realized that I wasn't reading the word like I should be. And now I'm reading the word every day. It's not about the conviction, but what she said is, is that she's reading the word every day. If you want to know the obedience of God, you must be in the word. You must be taking time to listen to his voice. David said, I have set my Lord always before me. That's setting God before you, making him your priority, putting yourself those plumb lines in place where you say, I can't function today until I get before God first. Finally, if we want kingdom success, we must let God expand our faith. Oh, man, two words in one sermon, trust and faith. I don't know if I'm going to be able to handle this. The reality is, is we talk like we know how to live by faith. And then we claim that we live by faith. How you doing, brother? I'm doing good. My faith is increasing. While inside, you're saying, I don't have a clue what I just said, but it sounded really good. How you doing today? I'm living by faith, man it can't get any better than this. You're a liar. (laughs) Because you are in the pit right now. You are lost and you're just trying to make sense of what's going on. And so you throw the word faith out hoping that that'll be the magic word that God will actually move on something and give you some direction. This is how I kind of perceive our faith. It's, It's like a blindfold. And so what we do is we, as followers of Christ, we sit here. I got faith. I can't see anything, but I got faith. Hey, what are you doing? Oh, I got faith in Jesus. Well, what are you doing about it? I'm just waiting on Jesus. I'm just sit here, wait. Well, what are you going to do about your faith? Jesus is going to work it all out. It's going to be good. Do you know where you're going? No, not at the moment but I got a pretty good idea because eventually what Jesus is going to do, he's going to take this off so I can see. Because that's faith. Wrong. Faith. Jesus doesn't take the blindfold off. He keeps us blindfolded for a reason. See, faith is blind obedience lived out. It's deep dependence on Jesus without knowing the end result. Blind obedience lived out. I have learned so much. Those who have lost their sight, whether it be an accident, whether they're born at birth, whatever it may be, people who cannot see with their physical eyes have a lot to offer us, especially spiritually. When you watch someone who cannot see because of a blindness, there is this dependency about them, but there is this confidence at the same time. They have this confidence that whoever is guiding them is going to get them there safely and get them to their destination. But at the same time, they have this incredible faith in the individual who's leading and guiding them. See, if you think that your faith is going to increase by God showing you what's going to happen before you have to live it out, you're wrong. Faith always precedes our understanding of things. We try to do it like this. Okay, Jesus, I prayed. I want to know your will. Now, you tell me what the outcome is going to be, and then I'll have the faith to believe it will happen. It doesn't work that way. Jesus looks at us, and he says, I tell you what, I'm going to grow your faith. And as you move in faith... I'll expand your understanding. Let's look at what David says in verse 9 through 11. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure. Because you will not abandon me to the grave, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the path of life, and you will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Our faith is derived from past encounters of intimacy with God. If you want to increase your faith, then result back to your intimate moments with Jesus. We have grown accustomed and we have fed ourselves that in order to increase our faith, we get the new thing. And when we get the new thing from God, we just have this sudden urge within us that we can now have greater faith than we've ever had before. That's not what the word of God shows us. We have to resort back to our intimate moments. But you say, but I've never had an intimate moment with Jesus. You better start because that will increase your faith. David uses the word therefore. It's actually a statement of faith the way it's translated. It's based on his intimacy with God. The word therefore, he's saying, yeah, because of what you've done in the past, because of your loyalty, because of your faithfulness. Therefore, I know what's expected. I know what is to come without even seeing it. Faith, trust, and plumb lines all go together like Curly, Larry, and Moe. We have to understand that if we want to be successful for God, <laughs> I'll wait before I talk because some of you are just like, we have to understand that if we want to be successful according to God's definition of success, that we cannot have plumb lines set if we're not willing to trust God. We can't have plumb lines if we're not willing to have faith. Because we have to understand this, that when God calls us to be successful, first of all, we have to trust him. We have to trust him that he wants us to be successful. We have to trust in his word that what his word tells us is he wants us to be prosperous and successful. Not the prosperity gospel, that's a bunch of garbage. What I'm talking about is the real word of God that means that we will be successful in his eyes. But we need that trust first. And then with that trust, we need to be willing to be obedient and set those plumb lines in. And once we do that, watch out. Because then God is going to put you in a position of faith. And he's going to say, how obedient do you really want to be to me? Because now I'm going to increase your faith. And I'm going to expand your borders. And I'm going to test your faith and allow you to grow in that. But you can't have one without the other. So when you hear trust and you hear plumb lines and you hear faith, you can say, "Ah, I can't do anything without any of those three in my life. As we watch our untroubled God, our faith declares this Beyond my current experiences within God's presence are faith, hope, love, courage, strength, and lasting joy. Therefore, I am successful. When I was on vacation, my time overlapped into the new month of August. Just before August 1st hit, the Lord had spoken to me and he said, Jason, I want to increase your faith and I want to increase your trust in me. Are you willing to allow me to do that? That's a dangerous question to answer. (laughs) So blindly, I took the step of faith. And before he would even tell me what he was going to do, I said yes. And the Lord said to me, for the whole month of August, I want you to meditate on my word And I want you to meditate on my word. And here's what I'm telling you I want you to do. I don't want you to ask me for things. I don't want you to come to me crying and whining and complaining. I don't want you to come to me asking. Because what I've given you in the word, I want to see how well you trust me and how much faith you're willing to grow. So when you pray, I want you to pray by praising me. I want you to pray by worshiping me. And I want you to pray by declaring what my word says instead of just asking. Are you willing to do that? So since August 1st, I have had seven crazy days of testing, faith building, trust, and I'm beginning to see a side of God that I've never encountered before. And I tell you what, I wouldn't change it for anything, and I wouldn't trade it for anything. That's part of being successful for God. If we yearn for success according to Jesus' definition, We don't have to go very far because the seed is already planted within us. So I challenge you with this this morning. Let's stop moving toward obedience and let's start moving from obedience. That is success. Father God, we thank you so much for what your word says and what you tell us in the word. Father, we ask now that the word that was preached and spoken today, God, would deepen in our hearts. And Father, that you would take us to fresh new levels that you have for us, And Father, teach us how to be successful according to your word. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.